Very shortly, we're going to go to Australia, catch up with John Harker. Uh, John is the uh, well-known sports broadcaster, heavily involved in swimming, water polo, but he also loves his cricket. So we're going to talk the Ashes and England. I'm fingers crossed, hoping, hoping that um, England, well, Australia won't chase down 377 runs. I'm not sure what it is about Australian cricket, why I have such disdain for them, where I've got so much time for so much other Australian sport. But it's just something about their cricketers. I think, as I said, legally correct, morally corrupt. Anyway, let's head to Australia. John Harker, one of the great broadcasters, joins us. G'day, John. G'day, buddy. There's no way in the world they chased down 377. Not the way they've been playing, that's for sure. Yeah, look... And, uh, and look how often has that ever happened? Like, you know, we've never done anything like that. And I think... Um, the world record was the West Indies against us about 20 years ago. They chased down 417, I think, or 418 for, and they were seven down. But we're, they, 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 look, the Poms deserve to at least draw this series. They, they, like, if there's any justice in the world, Australia don't get the runs. Has anybody been big enough and bold enough over there to possibly suggest that England actually have outplayed Australia over this if, in fact, they do win this test? Oh no! I think there's a lot of people that agree with that. Well, I, 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 look, I think if you ask Ricky Ponting and, uh, and and Mark Taylor, what I think they both agree with you. Ponting was his frustration was palpable in the uh, in the commentary last night. You know, just just bowl up the fifth stump with you. Uh, it, it really is. It was it was poor captaincy. It lacked imagination, and we're the most vaunted pace attack in the world. And they they were made to look second rate. And it's not the first time in this in the last three tests it's happened quite a bit, as you know. Is Pat Cummins the right guy? Do they need to have Steve Smith back captaining the side, putting to putting aside Sandpaper Gate? Oh yeah, if you're asking my opinion, no, um, it's no to both of those things. I think Cummins has been the right guy politically. He's a he's a, a terrific bloke. He's been the right face of the team after both the Sandpaper issue and the and the ridiculousness of, of Tim Payne and the. Um, and the, the, the photo scandal, but um, I don't think of, I, I think he's proven that it's just too much work for a uh, a fast bowler. And um, and look, we should have played Nisa. We should have played Nisa this test. We should, I thought we should have played Nisa last test. Uh, he, and we can't drop the captain. The captain's not going to get get a rest. They've played six tests in a row in a short space of time. And um, I, I just don't. I think we're past the point where a uh, a fast bowler should be our captain. Um, but uh, if you're asking me, there's no way in the world Steve Smith should ever captain Australia again mm, mm. Um, because of Sandpaper Gate. I, I think he should have been ruled out forever. Um, but yeah, so then that, that, that opens up the way to someone like Travis Head. They won't give it to Usman Khawaja, even though he's had a great job captaining Queensland, but he's 36 years of age. He's not going to give the job to Uzi. So Travis Head, and he's had a great start to the series, not a great end to the series, but... He's probably the man in waiting. He, he does captain South Australia. But that's me talking. Um, I think if they take the captaincy from Pat Cummings, there'd be a, a huge push for Steve Smith to take over. For me, it's a retrograde step. Mm-hmm. Will this test be the last test for David Warner? Uh, gee, it's an interesting question. Um, I, I, I think it could be. I, I, I really do. The, the, the problem's been the... Um, I mean, they've, for whatever reason, they've, they've decided to welcome Warner and Smith back, but not welcome Bancroft back. He's been the, the form opener of the, 
the last year in domestic cricket. Um, and Fokowski, who, who's the great hope, as we've discussed before, um, had some issues with the concussion and everything else. So is there someone in waiting? There's, there's, there's some question marks about that. Is it Matt Renshaw? Again, question marks. But, but look, um, I think they may stick with him. I, I honestly do. Um, I'm not saying they should, but I think they may. Mm-hmm. Manus Labashain uh, been somewhat disappointing in this Ashes series. Um, I mean, it seems to be a common trait. Few players seem to be able to, um, Steve Smith, the exception to the rule perhaps, but players just seem to struggle outside of their home conditions. Is, is, is this case in point? Oh, I think Labashain's a classic case, uh, case of that. Um, certainly his average uh, suggests he doesn't play as well away from home. Um, I mean, Kawaja head at Smith to, to a, a, a... Smith, obviously, a great player on, on any um, services, but Kawaja and head have played well in the last year and a half away from home. Um, you know, they both played well in, played well in India, but we're, we're, the, the batting has struggled. But, gee, I think we've got to give credit to the English too. Gee, they've played well. Uh, and, look, if, if not for rain, they're about to win the series. Hmm. But, you know, if not for... And I know you can't say if not for rain. Rain's part of cricket. But uh, but they dominated that that last test uh, and would have won without doubt and and they're going to win this test. It, it'd be it, you know, if a miracle happens um, and we and we chase down 400 or you know if, that, if they bat anymore in the morning I, I doubt they will. But if we chase down you know a score of close to 400, well then Australia have done something amazing and and horribly surprising and they'll deserve to win. But uh, the, the English have been the best team for the last three test matches in mine. Do Australia, rather than rubbish baseball, need to play more positively? Do they need to adopt this approach, particularly when they're playing away from home? Now, I, yeah, it's interesting. I think you've got to play to your strengths. I think the thing that, um, and you mentioned uh, David Warner, I think the thing that we've, we've lacked is it's, it's, in the ideal world, well, first of all, we're not turning over the strike. You know, there was, there was periods last night when, when the English were taking six singles from, from overs. We haven't been doing that. But also, David Warner's been able to get off to a fly, which will allow um, Kawaji to play more of an anchor role. And that, and when partnerships work that way, it, it, it's quite successful. I don't think both players, the way Australia plays cricket, have to be going for it in the baseball fashion. But you, you need someone um, at one end who's in form and dominating the batsman, uh, allowing the other other player to play his natural role and, and, and sheet anchor for a bit. And... and in the past, when um, when Steve Smith would come in, he usually starts pretty quickly too. He'd do the same, but uh, and as we know, Travis had had does that. But I just think we just haven't been consistent enough. And and obviously we've began to drop a few catches as well. It, it, we've been a little bit more sloppy in the field. But I just think the English have played really well, and and they're exciting. And you, and you don't you, they don't hang around for long. So you've you've got to take wickets quickly. Otherwise, they're going to put runs on the board, are they? they you know, when they're scoring at four and five and sometimes six and over, uh, it, it makes it mighty hard to keep them under control. You've said how well England have played. You've also said that really Australia have been outplayed in the last three tests. How big a loss in all of this is Nathan Lyon? How much of a contribution has that been in terms of benefiting England but, you know, prohibiting Australia? Yeah, I think massive. We spoke about it a few weeks ago when he was first out and we knew Tom Murphy was coming in when he was uh, injured in that test. And he's just such an integral part. He's been there for 100 tests in a row. Um, and for a bowler to do that in all conditions is quite extraordinary. But he brings a lot to the dressing room as well. He, you know, he, he obviously is a, a, a beloved member of that team. He's the, he's the man that sings the, you know, 
under the Southern Cross after a victory and, and leads the theme song. He's, he's such a big part of the makeup and culture of that team. And also, there's been times, I mean, obviously they dropped Murphy the last test, the test before. Look, it, it looked like Cummings didn't trust him to bowl. Um, now, he's taken three wickets. He said he's got the two big ones. He's got uh, Stokes and, and, and Joe Root. Root looking like he'd make a century. And so, you know, he's, he's bowled reasonably well, but you just can't replace someone. You know, the possible statistically he is the greatest off spinner of all time. He's certainly in the discussion of the greatest spinners of all time. So, you know, it, yes, it's a massive loss, but I still think I still think they've just been a bit better than us. And you can all the excuses under the sun. We we could talk about the fact that we we played the extra test with the World Test Championship um, to start the summer. So it's it's been a, a six you know six tests in a row. It's been a heavy workload on the bowlers. I, I think we've just you know I think we've just got a couple of players out of form, and I think we we should have played Nisa as I said, but. I just think you've got to give credit to the to the Poms when they when they deserve it. And and Bairstow, even last night, you know, the, the way he batted, he's for all of the troubles he's had behind the stumps, he started to get better as well there. But gee, he's had a good series in the end, Bairstow, hasn't he? Mm. So Todd Murphy, uh, is he the succession plan? Is he likely to carry Australia forward once Nathan Lyon does call it a day? Look, all the experts say yes. Um, like us. I wouldn't begin to class myself as an expert on on, on off spinners, but 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 everyone says that that, that he's the man that he, he'll be the one that will take over. Um, he, he looked tidy last night. I know he went at what he went at about five and over for a while, and I think he was about four point five in the end. But he's he's a good player, and he's and he's going to grow into himself, and he's still only young. Um, so yes, we hope so. Uh, you know, we have we have depth in we have depth in areas, and but. You don't just, it's a bit like trying to replace Shane Warne. You don't, you don't replace the greatest in a heartbeat, do you? Who knows how long it'll be before we ever see another bowler of the stature of, of, of Nathan Lyon that does so well on all different types of wickets. And he, he gets so much bounce, so much topspin as well. Like He's just such a wonderful bowler across all sorts of conditions, Nathan Lyon. So it's a big ask to take over from him. But can he, can he be the one that holds down that position? I, I think he can, mate. And I just want to ask something else. Please don't ask me about the uh, the Wallabies. <laughs> did you know that they were? Do you know that they were seven, back here in Australia? They were seven dollars ninety in a two horse race. And I was chatting to a mate of mine last night. He said, "You know they're seven ninety. I might have a I might have a bet." I said, "Do you think you got any chance?" He went, "No, you're right. You know, we, maybe if they were seven dollars ninety with a thirty point hit start, I oh, just it was just anyway. I'm glad I didn't watch it." Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, let's talk about swimming. Uh, number one ranked swimming nation in the world after the World Swimming Championships. Uh, not not too bad for New yeah. Zealand. We don't expect a lot, but we had Erica Fairweather pick up a bronze in that famous 400-metre final, and Lewis Clearbird, I think, was fifth in the 400 IM. But, boy, Australian swimming just continues to go from strength to strength. You just think that they've come off the back of one era and a new generation emerges. Yeah, we were talking about the, you know, the, the women's sprinters a few weeks ago, weren't we? They've, they've been magnificent. 13 goals. Look, I don't think there'll be another one tonight, so I think that'll see us out, which will mean they've matched the team at Fukuoka in 2001 and the team in 2005, both times when they, they captured 13 goals. There's, we should also point out that there's more. There's two more events today with the um, the mixed relays, but they've been, it's been superb. You know, Molly O'Callaghan is a, a super, super swimmer. Uh, five events, five gold medals. Uh, she swam just brilliantly. 
Um, last night, Caitlin McEwen, but you know, getting a, a treble, the, the 50, 100, and 200 backstroke. I wish we had been able to see her get out of the pool because I reckon those legs would have been absolutely gone. I think she would have struggled uh, getting out of the pool last night, um, Kaylee. She's just been magnificent and she looked exhausted after that uh, 200 final. And then Cameron McAvoy. Cameron McAvoy hasn't won an individual world championship since 2015. And here he is all those years later, eight years later, and he's, he's grabbed one at 29 years of age and he's reinvented himself. Lots of lots of work outside the pool, lot, a lot of work, um, a lot of dry land work on his physique. Uh, he's swimming magnificently and that was one of the most popular wins uh, amongst the team, I assure you. He's a really good fella mm. and, uh, and to see him after all he's been through, come out at 29 and, and pick up that 50 freestyle win last night was just, just magnificent. But yeah, they're... It's a it's, it's a massive era, and I, and look, we should be apologising to the Kiwis as well. We would, I know you'll you'll be calling the matches between Australia and uh, and New Zealand in the water polo qualifiers, but they're matches that for a split second we were thinking you might not have to uh, have yeah. to play because had Australia made the final, had they beaten Spain and uh, and made the final, that would have given them automatic qualification to the Olympics, which means that the next best. Oceania team goes through, which is New Zealand. Wouldn't have that have been absolutely wonderful? But sadly, two goal defeat to uh, to the Spaniards. But you know, um, I, I, but they were they're coming. The, the Aussie water polo girls they're, they're looking better. They're still making some fundamental mistakes. But the, the centre forward Tilly Kearns, who's of course Phil Kearns's daughter, I think she was the centre forward of the, of the tournament. She's had an absolutely magnificent tournament. What a player. Yeah, it's interesting because we've got young McDowell in the New Zealand team who's an absolute superstar. I'm not sure that she was at the World Championships and her father is the great all-black Steve McDowell. So a number of former rugby players, kids doing quite well in the sport of water polo. Yeah, and those qualification games Thursday week here in Auckland. Uh, best of three. They'll only play the third game if, in fact, it does go to a third. But I've just got a feeling Australia's just that little bit better than the New Zealand team at the moment. Hey, John, yeah. just quickly going back to the World Swimming Championships. Um, people ask me this year, what are you looking forward to in sport? And I said, actually, I'm looking forward to the women's 400 metres at the World Swimming Champs. And they said, why? I said, because you've got Ariana Titmus, you've got Katie Ledecky, and you've got Summer McIntosh out of Canada, and you've got Erica Fairweather, the young New Zealander who's doing pretty well. And um, to, to be honest, I didn't think Titmus would be good enough to win it. Was, was that the pick of the gold medals from the World Championships? Was that the most anticipated of the races? Oh, I, think, I think it was. Um, and... Look, I, I was in touch with her dad both before and after the race. They were just thrilled. They, they were they were expecting big things, but they were absolutely thrilled with the results. She was she swam so bravely. But I tell you, the other one for um, uh, and I look fair to with was magnificent as well. Summer McIntosh, a little disappointing, but she she picked up a couple of gold medals. Where she's a she's a comer and she'll be very good in Paris next year. But the other one that that was really impressive was the 200 world record for Molly O. Mate, that, that world record has stood since it was a super suit world record uh, back in uh, Pellegrini, set it in 2009 in, in the now illegal suits. But you look through the, through the absolute greatest, the cream of the crop of Australian swimming, only four swimmers have ever, Australian swimmers have ever held that world record. One of them is Fanny Jurek, who won the first, first women's event in the Olympics ever. The, the next one was Lorraine Crapp, multi-world record holder during the, the golden era of the 50s. The next one was Dawn Fraser, of course, first person to win the same event at three successive Olympics. And the fourth was Shane Gould, the only person, man or woman, to hold 
every world record from 100 to 1500, and Molly O is now part of that famous five. What a performance! It's a it's a very hard record to break. It's it's one of those records that speaks to the depth of of, of swimming. A 200 to it's a cracking event. So that, for me, yes, the 400 was the most anticipated, but Molly taking that 200, I think that's the swim of the meet. John Harker, as always, lovely to have you on the program this afternoon. Thank you for your insight. Pleasure, mate. There you go, the great John Harker, my favourite Australian, sensible man, smart man. You know, doesn't think Steve Smith should ever captain Australia. You know, of the highest moral standing, John Harker. And boy, I tell you what, the Australian swim program is something to behold. Remarkable swimming nation. Mind you, you go to Australia, you go training over there, you look at the weather, you look at the facilities. Um, it's just so conducive, which still makes the performances of Erica Fairweather, the likes of Daniel Loder, the Lewis, Claire Burtz, remarkable in their own right because they just simply don't have the resource, uh, don't have the depth of swimmer around them, uh, don't have the conducive environment, and yet are still sort of in that top five in the world in the case of Erica picking up a bronze medal.